Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. Thanks, guys. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. If you haven't met me before, I'm keen to preach today. But first, uh, who wants a, a free iPhone? Anyone? Hands up. And then I want a free phone. Guys, I've got no takers here. I got an iPhone. I'm not even kidding. Like, over here. Oh, Chris, Chris, Chris. Do you want, do you want it? Juicy, do you want it? Yeah, okay, cool. Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait one second, one second, one second. Oh, look at this. Perfect tub of water I prepared earlier. I'll move you away from the ant, maybe. All right, let's see. Just decent splash. Let's just see where we go. Ready? Oh, I reckon eight or ten, maybe. Ready? I'll just... You still want it? No? At all? Maybe this will help. Maybe this will help. Hold on. You guys do not like prizes, do you? All right. Here you go. All right, here we go. There you go. Can you see how rarely I use hammers? <laughs> all right. Does that help? No? Don't want it? Man. You guys not, everyone's got a working phone, evidently, because no one, no one needs to run right now. Um, cool. Well, let's just call, let's just call this um, Ivy, the iPhone, okay? Um, now, you probably assumed that Ivy was um, already broken before I came here, by the way, right? Um, needs to be thrown out. Why do I not want Ivy anymore? Uh, why am I throwing it out? I mean, it could make a pretty good paperweight um, when you think about, like, hold on, just dry it off. All right because I do actually need to use this piece of paper. All right. Check it out. The paper's going nowhere. That's pretty good. is isn't too bad. Um, so why did, why did none of you want it? Why is it worthless to everyone? Because it's not supposed to be a paperweight. Uh, it, might, it might be awesome at being a paperweight. I mean, it was pretty legit. It was paper was staying still. But the point is, it's supposed to be a phone, right? Um, and how does Ivy go at being a phone right now? She sucks. She's not a good phone. Uh, and if it wasn't good for what it was created for, well, pretty much everything else is kind of irrelevant, right? Uh, it's still broken. It's worthless. Uh, no one wants it. So what's my point? If something doesn't do what it's created to do, it has a problem, right? It's broken. That's what makes something broken. That's what broken means. It's not functioning the way it was supposed to. So the question is, what were we created for? And as you probably picked up uh, from the Bible reading earlier. Today we're looking at sin and the problem of sin. But we won't understand the problem of sin and what sin even is if we don't first get clear on what we were created for. And perhaps obviously, we were created for the sake of our Creator, right? We were created for God, for His glory, and to give thanks to Him. Colossians 1.16 tells us everything that was made was made through Jesus and for Jesus. And I say obviously because aside from everything in Scripture that just makes this explicitly clear, I feel like the, the, logically the idea that all of creation exists for the sake of a creator is pretty intuitive, right? But on the other hand, those who don't seek God's glory often don't even recognize the problem because the nature of sin means that we're often blind to our sin. We're broken and we don't even see it. 
And so it's obvious that we were created to live for our Creator, but it's also not. And so as we unpack this passage this morning, it's it's worth taking a moment to, to pause and actually get clear on what sin is so that we aren't blind to it as well. An iPhone is created to be a phone and being useful as a paperweight doesn't mean anything if it can't also still function as a phone. And so with that in mind, we can define sin pretty simply. If we were created to live for God as our Lord and Creator, then sin is rejecting God. Sin is rejecting our Creator. Sin is rejecting God. If you guys want to flick back a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 1, go to Romans chapter 1 verse 21. Romans chapter 1 verse 21. This is earlier on when Paul was, was first talking about the state of humanity. All right? Paul was talking about humanity in general. And Paul said in verse 21, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their hearts were darkened. So people didn't glorify God as God. They didn't give thanks to him. And they didn't even see the problem with that because their hearts were darkened in sin. So they didn't even see the issue. Have a look down a bit further, verse 25. Do I have a crazy echo going on or is it just me? A little bit of an echo, maybe. I don't know. We'll push past it. Verse 25. We'll see this stuff again. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. So people exchanged God. They rejected him and exchanged him for a lie. They centered their life on the world around them instead of centering their lives on God. They worshipped creation instead of the creator. They rejected God. And I reckon creation over creator is actually a really helpful way to understand sin. Um, Put your hand up um, if you already know what you want for Christmas this year. Put your hand up if you already know. Okay, no one. Okay, cool. Oh, actually, there's, oh, there's some people over there. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, cool. Most people are like me. Some people are like New Year's Day and they're like, I know what I want. All right, start of the year. I never know. I'm like, it's like December and family members are hassling me and I'm like, I don't know, Amazon voucher. What, you know, who knows? Um, but let's fast forward to December and it's Christmas time. Think in your head of someone who loves you. Okay, maybe your spouse maybe your parents or your kids, someone who loves you, they're really good at giving gifts. And they want to get you the best present they can. Okay? They want to make you happy. And they want to show you how much they care about you. And so they've been looking for any clues for what they should get you. Now they know that you've been wanting the latest iPhone because some maniac dumped it in a tub of water and smashed it with a mallet, right? Um, And so they actually buy you a brand new iPhone For Christmas, you open the box, you see it, you see the phone, it's exactly what you want. Like your face lights up. But picture the look on their face too as well because they know that they've nailed it, right? You take it out of the box, you look them in the eye and you say, this phone is so good. If I had to pick you or the phone, I'd pick the phone. I love this phone so much, mum and dad, or honey, or whoever got me this phone. I'd rather you die than have my phone break again. I'd rather lose you than lose the phone. 
Can you imagine the hurt that they would feel? Right? This person who loves you? That's exactly what we do. When we make creation more important to us than God, we value the gifts more than the creator who gives us those gifts. The ironic thing about our foolish, sinful nature is the more gifts God gives us, the more he shows us how much he loves us, the worse we treat him. The more we turn away from him. We take the very gifts that are supposed to point us to God and lead us to love him even more, and we use them to do the exact opposite and replace him. Sin is living for creation instead of the creator. So while we're thinking, well, look, I haven't murdered anyone, you know, the classic, you know, jail benchmark or whatever, we're rejecting the creator of the universe and we're replacing him with the gifts in creation that he's given to us. Sin is not doing what we were created to do, which means if God created us to live for him, then sin is living for anything other than God. All right? Ivy, the phone, is useful if the phone functions as a phone. If Ivy just wants to be a paperweight, she's worthless. If the phone isn't a phone, it's worthless. And look what happens. Go back to Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 3, verse 12, and look what happens when we turn away from God. Romans chapter 3, verse 12. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. Without God, we're worthless too. Does that seem harsh? Worthless? Does it sound a bit too strong? Like to say that just like a, a phone used as a paperweight is worthless, if we aren't doing what we're created to do and living for God, that then we become worthless? You, me, everyone we love? Um, anyone worthless in turning aside from God? If it feels too harsh, it's because we're forgetting how serious sin really is. See, one of the differences between us and Ivy the phone is that when we don't do what we were created to do, we're not just broken, we're guilty. The phone didn't consciously decide to not work anymore. But we're alive and we are responsible for our brokenness. We have a a culpability uh, that this phone doesn't. We make our own decisions. Which means sin isn't just brokenness, it's, it's morally wrong. We're guilty of something. And so in turning from God to sin, we become worthless. Also, the fact that, that sin is about rejecting God and how we treat him more than it's how we treat other people, that should also remind us how serious sin is. Because we often assess the severity of a crime based not only on what the actual crime is in itself, but also on who the crime is committed against. Um, imagine for a moment you're, um, you're driving down the street, all right, uh, just a standard drive to the shops or something, and a bug splats on your windscreen. Okay? What are you thinking in that moment? Thinking in your head, like, Ugh, just my luck, I'm going to have to clean that when I get home. All right? uh, now, now you're driving down the street, and you hit a koala, and it's dead. What are you thinking at that moment? Uh, like, I'm probably pulling over, right, if I've just hit a koala. Is it okay? No. What am I going to do? I'm going to feel pretty rotten about that. Now, you're driving down the street, and a kid 
runs out in front of your car chasing after a ball and you run them over, dead, a five-year-old. What are you thinking in that moment? The seriousness of a crime is impacted by who it's against and who's sin against? It's against God. Sin is taking God out of the number one position and putting stuff that he has made there instead, making it more important than God who actually made it. Creation above the creator. Anything that we think is better than God is something that God made. Sure, stealing, lying, abuse, crimes against other people, that's all sin, absolutely. But the difference is that the issue isn't just the way you've affected that person. The issue is that you've disobeyed God. Because God told you not to steal, not to lie, not to abuse others. By breaking his rule, you're saying that I'm not following you, God. I'm doing what I want to do. You're rejecting him as your Lord, and that's the problem. The fact that you stole from someone is just a symptom of that problem. And there are countless symptoms. Which is why people often hear about this problem of sin and get confused, thinking, why is a sin thing such a big deal? I'm not that bad. I'm not in jail. I'm nice to my friends. I'm actually a pretty good person. Why, why would God have such a big issue with me? But the whole time, they're completely misunderstanding what sin is. Fundamentally, it's not about whether you always work hard at your job and are polite to your colleagues. It's not about whether you're helpful and kind to your family at home or, or you always have good sportsmanship in your team. It's, it's, it's not simply about token things like getting drunk or what laws you've broken in your sexual history. It's not even about that stuff. You might be known for being a super nice, responsible and good person, but the real question is, are you living for God? Do you always keep God as the number one thing in your life? Imagine you're on a, a ship, all right, using a telescope to search the horizon for land, and suddenly another boat comes into your view. And you can see a lot of detail with this telescope. You see people working hard, they're sharing food, scrubbing the deck, help each other carry things, and you think, wow, these people are pretty good. They're working hard for whoever's in charge, they're helping each other, they're kind to each other. And then you zoom out on the telescope, and into your view comes the flag on the ship, the skull and crossbones, right? They're pirates. Now, putting aside how accurate this Disney Peter Pan picture of pirates is, okay, the point is clear, right? You can be a really nice bad guy. You can be a really polite member of the wrong team. And any team other than God's team is the wrong team. Are your biggest goals in life about what your career looks like in 10 years from now? Or, or about what kind of family you'll have by then? There's bigger stuff than careers and marriages and kids as big as those things might feel? Do hobbies and stuff which are, which are good but only last for this life make up more of your time than knowing God better and stuff which lasts for eternity? Do you spend more time valuing what God thinks of you or valuing what people think of you? If you're honest with yourself, then I'm guessing the answer is no. God is not always number one in our lives and that's why the Bible is saying there's a problem. Because now that we've considered what sin is, and just how devastatingly serious it is, the rough news keeps coming in Romans 3 when Paul explains who's guilty of it. Everyone. We are all under sin. Have a look. Romans 3, verses 10. From verse 10. Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. 
No one does good, not even one. Again, it's that language of seeking God, looking for him. It's not no one is polite. It's, it's no one seeks God. That's the issue, right? No one is good. Absolutely no one. We are all under sin. You, me, everyone. And we've just spent a lot of time really realizing that to be guilty of sin is as serious as it gets. It cannot be trivialized or, or brushed aside as something that's not a big deal. It's the biggest deal to be guilty of sin. And we're all guilty of it. Really? Everyone? Absolutely everyone? What about my super nice aunt? What about innocent little kids? Um, I've got four innocent little kids, actually. Um, actually, recently I asked my um, three-year-old daughter, Bonnie, who her favorite Disney princess was, and without missing a beat, she said Maleficent. Uh, that, that's, that's the villain from Sleeping Beauty, by the way. Um, I, was, I was thinking maybe like Elsa, Cinderella, Jasmine, but no, she loves Maleficent, so there you go. I'm like, sweetie, I don't think you understood the question, but thanks for that concerning insight into your wild little mind. Um, now, you know I'm just being silly with that example, right? But the point still stands. Uh, I never taught my kids how to snatch, but they're pretty good at it. They're naturals at it. We've worked hard at teaching them how to share, and we've got a lot of work ahead of us. Our nature is not God first, it's me first. That's with us from the womb. Ephesians 2 verse 3 says that by nature we are objects of wrath. Not by nurture, not because of our environment, but by nature, because of who we are. Every single one of us. And the fact that it's everyone, it kind of creates its own problem. If everyone is so sinful, we can start to think that no one is sinful. Because we lower the bar. We look around and go, I feel like I'm no worse than the average person, right? I'm fine. It's like if you're back at school, right, and your teacher asks everyone for hands up for who did the homework, and no one puts their hands up, okay? You might have been pretty worried going into school that day that you were going to get in trouble beforehand. But once you realize the rest of the class didn't do it either, you instantly feel better, don't you? Like it's not that bad anymore. Guys, the fact that we're all guilty doesn't mean it's not a big deal. It just means the problem is a big deal for all of us. I've seen a, um, a demonstration done several times where like a ladder of about 10 rungs is brought out with God at 10 and like, you know, I know Hitler or Osama bin Laden somewhere at the bottom on the floor, uh, just sitting on the floor at zero, right? And the people from the community are asked to share where they'd place themselves on the ladder, all right? These aren't just Christians, these are just people from around the place perhaps looking into Jesus, but they aren't Christians at that point. And then every single time I've seen it done, at least for me, every time I've seen it done, every person has put themselves on like five or six. It's a relativity thing, right? Almost all people will see themselves as roughly in the middle or a bit above. And then what happens, the person who's running the demonstration with the ladder will, will put themselves at like, you know, around one, just above Hitler, and, and, and pull out some respected people from the Bible, like maybe, you know, um, Isaiah or, you know, like one or two, right? And people are thinking, what? They're only putting themselves at one? I put myself at five or six. What did they do? Like, you know, what's going on? But then the person running it moves to unpack passages just like Romans 3 with everyone, and it starts to click. Because there's a few things to note here, two in particular. Firstly, not everyone's the same, all right? Hitler was responsible for the death of six million Jews, right? No one in this room has done that, okay? Um, we might not be zero. Maybe we're a rung or two higher than him. There are differences, sure. But the other thing to note is that God isn't just rung 10. 
Any time someone witnesses God directly in his glory throughout Scripture, like Moses or Isaiah, like which Phil read out before, they realize he's not 10, he's 10,000. And so in the scheme of 10,000, whether you're on rung one, two, or three, I mean, it counts for nothing. Among wretched, sinful humanity, you might be among the best, but we're not measured against sinners. We're standing before God. It's like, like your spouse or one of your parents or someone asking you if, if you reckon they're a good cook. And you're like, absolutely, you're a good cook. Right? Everyone loves whatever you whip up at Christmas time or when people come around to visit. Uh, and the kids always polish off everything that's on their plate. So good. And they're like, oh, great, cool, because I've just applied to go on MasterChef. Uh, and suddenly you're thinking, oh, oh, okay, so when you said good, you meant good, good. Like, like actually good. Okay. I think you might want to reconsider. Um, when we're talking about your spag bowl at home, you're good. All right? But when we're talking about world-class chefs, you're not actually that good. This might be a little bit out of your league. All right? You get the point, right? In a relative way, there are people who you could describe as righteous. And we actually see that in the Bible. The Bible will refer to different people as righteous. But in absolute terms, before God, the Bible makes it clear that there is not even one who is righteous. How's everyone traveling right now? You having a good morning, guys? Hang in there, please. Hang in there. Join the dots together, guys. If the whole reason we exist is to focus our lives on God and our crime of sin involves doing exactly the opposite of that and rejecting God, then I think all of a sudden we begin to see why the Bible is saying we are so far off track and that it applies to all of us. One of the things that Paul covers in this passage is what all of this means in the context of Jews and Gentiles. Okay, um, Paul says in chapter 3, verse 1, that Jews did have an advantage in knowing God and knowing the law and how he wanted them to live. But in verse 9, he says they're still not actually any better off before God. Their advantage didn't make a difference. He says in verse 9 that he's already established in, the book, like in this book of Romans so far that both Jews and Gentiles are under sin. It's all people and Jews are no exception. And so the question is, what was the point in giving the Jews any advantage in knowing him and his law? Why even do that at all? If the law didn't save anyone, what did the law even achieve? Have a look at verse 20. Verse 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So the law brings knowledge of sin. And it does that by immediately exposing everyone's failure to follow the law properly. By knowing the law, you realize how you've broken it. If you're perfect, then great, but you're not. No one is. And so the law doesn't vindicate any of us. It doesn't vindicate the Jews. It only condemns us. Have a look at the verse before, at verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. The law speaks to those who are under it and it silences them. It silences every mouth. What we're kind of seeing is almost like this picture of a courtroom where every person who's ever lived is on trial and every mouth is silent as the charges are read out. 
But didn't you see those things like, God says, shut your mouth. Do you see the charges laid out against you? Do you see the truth of your heart laid bare? But I really, no. But, But what about no? But I, no. Be silent. God says, not you, not me, not even one. So sin is rejecting God, and we're all under the problem of sin. And this brings me to my final point, which is that we can't fix our problem of sin. I don't think I'm anyone's favorite person this morning, am I? Um, We can't fix our problem of sin. Have a look again. We'll read verses 19 and 20. Chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. So nothing we do, no list of good works, can fix our problem of sin. Because by works of the law, no human being will be justified before God. Since appealing to the law as a way to justify ourselves only serves to expose our sin even more, right? And the reason we need to be justified at all is because God is a just God. He needs justice. Which means if we're guilty... There's a judgment for that. Justice for sin means judgment for us. This is not a, a popular message. I mean, in some, in some sense, you might look at the horrors that happen around the world and you might go, no, 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 that is a good thing. But then when you remember, hey, we're all under sin, it starts to be less popular. That justice for sin is judgment for us. It's no more popular than a, like a, a doctor's words, we figured out the problem, and it's cancer. But if the situation has hope, but we've got a treatment available that could help you, then confronting the reality of that diagnosis was a good thing, because without the diagnosis of the problem, you'd never be able to get the right solution. And the diagnosis that you are under the power of sin and a child of wrath has always had a cure. The problem of sin has always had a solution. It's just not us. It's Jesus. This is what the book of Romans and what Christianity, the gospel, what the Bible is all about. We can't fix our problem of sin, but God can. Jesus saves sinners. Verse 20 tells us that by the works of the law, no human being will be righteous before God, since appealing to the law as a way to justify ourselves, only serves to expose our sin even more. No one is righteous. We can't fix that. But if you're feeling despair, you don't need to. And because Romans 3 keeps going, there is good news for you. We are millimetres from it on the page. But, the very next verse has a but into this absolutely devastating reality of our sin, verse 21 brings hope. It's in the passage for next week's sermon, but I say stuff the sermon series plan because I'm going to read it anyway. You ready? Verse 21, we do not have righteousness. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ 
for all who believe. There is good news. We shouldn't expect it because we don't deserve it. But even while we all choose to turn from God, he still loves you. You, the same you who has turned from him and replaced him with the gifts of creation that he gave you. The tiny you from Port Macquarie is loved and wanted by the creator of the universe. The the you who's been around for a few decades at most is loved and wanted by the God who is eternal. Isn't there something like deeply satisfying about someone who knows your flaws, who knows your sin to the deepest level of your being, more than even you do, and looks you in the eye and says, I love you and I want to redeem you, to forgive you, and to save you from your problem of sin. Isn't that much more hope-giving than someone who gives you just hollow compliments and tells you, oh yeah, you're fine, when deep down you know yourself well enough to know that that's not true. They're telling me I'm a great person, but I I know myself. And you just got to desperately stop anyone from discovering that that's, that's the truth that what they said isn't really real. It may sound nicer than hearing that you're a sinner deserving of judgment, but it's just a deadly kindness. The kindness of a doctor who knows your diagnosis and knows the kind of treatment that could save you, but doesn't tell you the truth because they don't want you to be distressed or scared. That's not real kindness. Ivy was created to be a phone. You were created to be in relationship with your creator to be in relationship with God. And God loves you so much that he still wants that relationship with you, that you were created for, without facing judgment for your sin. The solution is Jesus, who faced your judgment in your place when he died on the cross and overcame that penalty of death when he rose alive again so that we can be forgiven by turning and following him. And we're going to hear more about the hope that Jesus promises to anyone who believes in him next week. So make sure that you're here next week because the gift that Jesus offers is the best news that you can ever hear. But it's not for everyone. It's only for those who understand what he has done and turn to follow him. But you also don't need to wait until next week to follow Jesus if that's where you're up to. Come find me or any other people that you've seen at the front, any of the other pastors, or head over to the welcome desk Um, and ask us about Jesus and we'll tell you the best news you will ever hear. I'm going to pray. Can you pray with me? Dear Lord, we are sorry for our sin. We are sorry that we have rejected you and that we still repeatedly choose to put your creation ahead of you, the creator. Please don't hide our sin from us as scary as that is to ask of you, please don't blind us to it. Thank you for the law and all the ways that you have revealed to us our problem of sin. Please forgive us. Please lead us away from that sin to turn from it back to you, our creator. Please save us from the judgment we deserve. And thank you for Jesus, for the hope that he brings, that he died on the cross to face our judgment in our place and overcame that penalty of death when he rose alive from the grave. Thank you that in Jesus we are forgiven, we are redeemed, we are saved. 
and we are your children in relationship with you again like we were always created to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon, or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.